So I remember one day the, the wife saying, you know, I want you to come be with me in the kitchen while I'm cooking. And I was in the bedroom and I'm like, baby, I can see you. <laughs> I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, it was a trip. Like she could vacuum the whole place without changing the outlet. <laughs> Where did I park? Welcome to another journey in trying to find out where did I park? I'm your host, Chris, better known as CP, and I'm here to park some of my thoughts and feelings so I can clear my head and get my life together. So here goes nothing. So I want to say a big thank you to everybody who listened to the previous episode. Uh, It was really good for me to get off my chest. Uh, I actually cut about 30 minutes or so uh, just because I felt like I was ranting and rambling uh, a little too long. And I didn't want to rant and ramble about things that didn't have a purpose. I mean, it was just venting uh, because that's not helpful for anybody. And I really want to move forward. And I always try to remember that if I say I'm over it, then I need to act over it. Otherwise, I'm just inviting the past to creep back up and punch me in the face again. And I am tired of getting punched in the face by that. So I am closing the chapters of that book uh, or those books, really, and uh, really just moving forward. So I appreciate everybody listening, tuning in, uh, telling somebody else. And I appreciate people giving me feedback about some of their stories and just what they're dealing with in their everyday struggles. So it was cool to hear that I wasn't alone, unfortunately. But then also to know that there are other people out here that are going through some of the same type things and we're all trying to find a way to get through. So uh, again, I appreciate you listening and um, let's keep making a way through. Today, we're going to talk to uh, one of my good friends, Mark. Uh, I call him the everyman uh, just because he's been all over the place and uh, he really hasn't met a stranger. And if he has, he definitely hasn't met any enemies. Uh, He's a really good guy. He's very interesting. Uh, He's full of wisdom and uh, definitely has a lot of experiences to uh, back up some of his tools of the trade and things that he does to move forward. Uh, This is a really good conversation. Uh, He'll talk about some of the books that have helped shape his mindset and then just his overall mindset on how he uh, goes through life and what things he's been through and how it's helped him. Uh, There's a few funny parts. And it's really just a good time. I had a feeling it would be. Uh, Most conversations with Mark are lengthy, but worth it. So enjoy this one and I'll see you at the end. Here's Everyman Mark. All right. Welcome, Everyman Mark, to the show, man. Mark, how you doing? Doing great, Chris. How you been, man? I can't complain, man. Um, I was just talking about how um, when I first met you, um, we met through gold boot which a lot of people don't use anymore but back when uh that was the main line of fraternity communication um basically you put it out there you said hey i'm coming to north carolina i'm from michigan and i was like oh i'm from michigan i live in north carolina let me hit him up and uh you know i i had full intention to uh greet you in customary omega fashion but as soon as i walked up to you it was like as somebody i'd met before and we just kicked it so how'd you get that uh disarming personality uh, you know what? I think uh, it's I think it's genetic. Both of my grandparents, my grandfathers had uh, had the gift of gab, 
Um, uh, one of them was from uh, Mississippi, another one was from New Iberia, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of the way that things were back in the day. And I spent a lot of time with them growing up. So I think I just picked up on, um, you know, how to, how to talk to people. And uh, yeah, I hit up uh, Gold Boot. I remember you, uh, you, you met me at the, uh, at, uh, well, not the frat house, but where, the we, house. Yeah, where we're having the meetings and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was great. You know, I had a great time in, uh, North Carolina. That's actually the longest I've lived anywhere since, um, since I started moving. And, uh, the wife and I talk about, uh, you know, if we're picking a forever place to live, you know, Greensboro would be probably where we go back to. That's straight. So how many places were you before uh, North Carolina? So started off in Michigan, born and raised, uh, you know, went to school and everything, graduated, uh, pledged to bros, uh, got married in 2007. And, you know, that was the economy died like six months later. So in 2000, so I remember. <laughs> yep. And so in 2007, I, um, I was actually down in Mexico and, uh, my boss at the time said, hey, look, you're going to get an email, but don't worry. And then he just walked away. And I'm like, you know, I'm worried now. <laughs> what are you talking about? And uh, about 20 minutes later, email came through. Uh, effective immediately, the office is closed. And I'm like, oh, wow. snap. And uh, <laughs> word on the street is that uh, it was a German company and the German bigwigs flew over and um, was calling everybody into the office and Basically, if you walked out with a packet, you were done. And if you walked out with nothing, wow. you worked in the new location. So <laughs> that was in like early December. And I started in January 1st in uh, Illinois. And it was a take it or leave it type deal. So right. of course I took it because everybody was losing their jobs left and right. Um, yeah. Had to downsize. We went from... Uh, maybe 1500 square foot house to uh 825 square foot apartment that's a studio yeah yeah it was, it was so small that when the leasing agent was showing us around my wife just busted out crying <laughs> oh man <laughs> she was looking at me like oh <laughs> i'm like oh it'll be all right don't worry don't worry but uh yeah it was tiny so i remember one day the, the wife saying you know, I want you to come be with me in the kitchen while I'm cooking. And I was in the bedroom and I'm like, baby, I can see you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a it was a trip. Like she could vacuum the whole place without changing the outlet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we had to do what we had to do because uh, um, we had to move so quickly that we weren't able to sell the house. And the, the housing market was collapsing anyway, so we had uh, a mortgage payment and an apartment payment at the same time. So things were tight. And mm. then uh, things got really bad for the company. And to their credit, they let us vote. They said, look, either everybody takes a 15% pay cut or 10% of people getting let go. So we all voted to take the pay cut. So it was a mortgage, rent, and a 15% pay cut. Pay cut. Yeah, all at the same Gee. time. So it was it was some slim pickings for a little bit. Right. Yep. So then I uh, stayed in Illinois for about a year. I worked in um, Melrose Park, a little bit south of um, O'Hare um, as, a, as a resident engineer. 
And then I was transferred to Fort Wayne, Indiana and stayed there about a year and a half as a resident engineer. And not too much going on in Fort Wayne. Um, nope. It was, you know. You were getting a full Midwest experience. Exactly, exactly. When we first moved there, it, it, it's, it's a little bit different because people there are, uh, uh, what's the best way to describe it? They, they basically have, they're, they're homers. So they're like, look, I'm straight on friends. I got all the same friends from kindergarten. I don't need to make no more. I don't want to need to meet anybody. So not, not very, not, not unfriendly, but not really trying to make friends. So, right. They're good over here. Yeah, exactly. They're straight. And, uh, so stayed there for about a year. And then, um, from Fort Wayne, I had the option to go to either Greensboro or to work, um, as a resident engineer at, um, at PACAR. And PACAR is in Bellevue, which is one of the most expensive cities in the country. It's uh, right outside of so Seattle. You already was paying for three extra bills. So. Exactly, exactly. And I remember telling my boss, when I looked up Bellevue, I'm like, are you gonna pay me Bellevue money? And he was like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't going. And uh, so he gave you a choice, but one of them was a good choice, and one of them was a exactly unattainable. Exactly, because the guy who ended up getting that position, I think his commute was almost three hours one way, and, and that was just to, to to be far enough to actually afford to live. Hmm. So I'm like, nah. You know, I, I read an article about um, how a commute kills you. And they basically oh, basically said, if you have the option, it's better to spend the money and not have a, a, a stupid commute. It'll just grind you down. That's true. It's like it's one thing if you got um, like a straightaway. Like I used to work in Flint back in the day, and that was just straight up I seventy five. I was good looking at all the traffic the other way. But when you're like stuck in traffic for an hour, man. It'll kill you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you start, you know, all you got to do is just break down how much time you spend per day. You know, e e even without mm -hmm. a commute, say your commute zero, um, you got eight hours, um, really nine because you, your lunch hour um, mm -hmm. away from home. Then you get home and then you got to, you know, you got to kiss, kiss the wife, play with the kids, uh, check your uh, physical mail, uh, cook dinner, eat, clean. You know, it's not that much time left over. So if you are getting two or three hours stolen each day, it, you know, it, it, it's not, to me, that's not living. That's true. Especially long-term. Short-term, I could deal with it. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't care if the money was right, shit. I just, I'd never stop driving. <laughs> right. <laughs> true. So you chose Greensboro. So then you get here and... You know, yep. you meet all us cool people and you're hanging out and life is good. Yeah. So I, um, I get there, meet the meet the bros and everything. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good core in, um, in 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 Greensboro. You know, I had a, had a great time for the almost four years that I was there. And uh, yeah, I kind of hit the ground running. It doesn't seem like it was that long, but I mean, you look like the type of person that uh, hadn't planned on staying. So it was uh, I don't know. I think you made the best of it. Yeah, you know, I, I tried to because um, with my position, I was I was a resident engineer and most contracts are uh, four years in length. So I never knew 
how long I would be somewhere. It depended on the contract and whether or not the contract was renewed. So when I showed up in Illinois, it was at the end of the contract. So they were like, okay, you got to go. And with Greensboro, mm-hmm. uh, the company still has the contract with, uh, with Volvo. But um, the challenge is that a, a resident engineer really has a, a, maybe a four-year shelf life before they start to go crazy right. because you it's a strange <laughs> position you're, you're you're like a spy you 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 have two bosses you have your boss that pays your, your check and then your boss at the customer and you really have no power to affect any change you're, you're all reaction all the time and it's really about three to four years before people just get burned out i know that's right so while you were kicking it with us, um, how did you run across 47? Because, I mean, we were just kicking it by ourselves. And next thing you know, you had a new friend who was 50 years older than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So 47, I, I kind of adopted him. And it, it, it's funny because my, my wife actually found him. So he lived in the same complex, but across um, um, ac- across the street. And one day my wife came home she said, uh, one of your fraternity brothers is out in the street and he needs help. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what, what, what do you mean he's in the street? So I, I, I drive over and uh, uh, yeah, it's a 1947 brother and from um, at uh, John C. Smith. And he is, like my wife said, standing in the street. He's got his little cane, uh, red warm-up pants, and a white t-shirt with a big old beach ball stomach and uh, uh, a Q hat on. And so I come over, start talking to him, and he's like, oh, well, I'm waiting for my taxi. I'm just going to wait until the taxi shows up. So <laughs> I, I start um, coming by and um, hanging out with him and... Uh, uh, pretty much we were just drinking and he'd tell me old stories from, from, from back in the day. And, uh, right. you know, ended up being a, a, a great, a great friendship, a really good friendship. Uh, you know, it was, uh, a special bond. And to me, it really, not that I didn't already value Omega, but just took it to a whole nother level. You know, there, there's no reason why I would be hanging out with a guy. Yeah. 50 something years older than me who's not my kin, you know, other than the right. That's pretty cool. And I remember we uh, we helped him move at one point and he had a whole bunch of like commissions from the presidents and stuff like that. Sure, sure. So he was one of the first uh, first black uh, U.S. Marshals. And um, he uh, he was very proud of that and uh, kept um, uh, kept up with their they had like a little booklet of things you could order. So he's always handing out martial uh, medallions and hats and stuff so my dad actually has one now and he likes to wear it yeah. everybody's like oh you're a marshal he's like maybe <laughs> <laughs> so he says he always wears it when he's in the airport i'm like uh, dad you probably shouldn't do that uh, i don't know maybe he's just trying to skip the line that might be uh helpful yeah exactly until he doesn't know the martial handshake or something <laughs> right and then they you know they need him to go you know solve some type of threat yeah save the day like all right man i know you got your pistol and you're like what me 
You're like, ah, I didn't check it. Today. Didn't <laughs> yeah, check. I'm fresh out of bullets. <laughs> so, uh, so did he? Uh, did he pass before you moved, or well, you, already moved you know, it, this remember? is the, uh, the 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 challenge of of being the bros. The bros aren't the most sensitive people in the world. So he actually passed away maybe two weeks after I left. And, mm. and you know, the brothers are like, he died of a broken heart because <laughs> he left him. <laughs> I was like, damn, you know, come on now. I got to do what I got to do. But, you know, you know to, a, to, a, to a certain extent, I think that the brothers were right. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his, his buddy was leaving and, and, uh, and, you know, he was already up there in age. I remember he used to say when he went to the doctor, and, and you know, the doctor asked him, what, what kind of ailments do you have? And he would just say, well, let's start at the feet. <laughs> just <laughs> work all the way up. I mean, he had, he had the sugar, he had the sugar real bad. And, um, oh, and then, you know, being an 80 something year old man, you know, you know, 47. So he was probably born in the, in the early thirties. So, you know, right. that, that's old school where, you know, I heard an old guy on TV one time say, uh, there was no such thing as malnutrition. You just had good nutrition or bad nutrition. Good nutrition was when there was enough ribs. Bad nutrition was when you ran out. <laughs> so, you know, to make it uh, to make it 80, uh, upper 80s was an accomplishment. On a rib diet. Yeah, yeah, on a rib diet. And and he would go, he, he loved pho. He would love going to a Vietnamese place to get a pho bowl for living by himself you know it was um right it was uh you know i'd come over and help clean up and stuff because his, his eyesight was failing so and he liked to eat peanuts so there'd just be peanuts and crumbs all over the floor that he just couldn't see and i, I remember oh man what time the wife came over with me and uh she was like well hank will never starve to death all this <laughs> that's funny so speaking of the wife um she moved before you did because she was going to do some other venture right yeah so she had um she had an internship in um uh more or less an internship in new york so she is finishing up a, her phd now and she's she's always wanted to be a writer and you know she's she start finally starting to get on as a writer but um the internship in New York was uh, basically to uh, to network and to to start um, getting some real instruction in um, in creative writing. You know, it's one thing to be um, to have a good story to tell. There's another to know all of the, I guess, devices in order to tell a good story. So true, true. she was up in New York for about. Um, I believe eight months and uh, I would take the mega bus up uh, and uh, catch uh, the bus at like 10 in the morning and you sleep overnight and you know you wake up at six in the morning and you're in New York City so that was uh, that was it was was actually pretty fun you know like hanging out in the city I've always wanted to live there a little bit and uh, yeah it was cool you know it blew my mind to to know that uh, you know you can just get something to eat at any time, and, and yeah, you know you got it's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So when you weren't uh, up there visiting, you, tell me where again you were staying because you had moved out of your apartment. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I had moved out of out of the apartment, and um, uh, it was actually just networking. There was a lady in the um, 
Greensboro alumni um, chapter who um, was in a bad accident years back and um, uh, it, it, it caused a lot of um, uh, back damage. And so she had mm -hmm. a, a bunch of pain and basically stairs were hard for her. So she had this nice, beautiful home and the whole upstairs was empty. So it was like a, a family room up there, two bedrooms and a bathroom. And so um, I think we were just talking about, you know, how my lease was up and I needed to figure out what I was gonna do. And she's like, hey, you know, I, I typically rent out the upstairs and, um, you know, you, you, you'd be welcome to come. And I checked it out and, uh, yeah, it worked out. So it was it was a little strange from the standpoint of, you know, living with another woman while my wife was away in, um, uh, you know, New York. in New York. But, uh, you know, the money was right. And we were kind of uh, an answer to each other's prayers. You know, I, right. I, I could do the man stuff, like take out the garbage and all that stuff. And um, and, you know, I got a, a, a place to stay and you know, uh, a roommate, you know, somebody to help uh, chase away the loneliness because um, up until that point, I'd never, I'd never lived alone. So, you know, you think mm -hmm. your whole life as a kid, you live with your parents, then in college, you got a roommate, then after college, I had roommates, then after that, I got married. So, always was used to living with somebody. So, it was, it was nice to have uh, somebody else around. And um, yeah, that's cool. And yeah, so so it, you know, I just just made it do what it do. Right. I just remember uh, us going to eat wings, and you're like, "Yeah, so I'm staying with this lady now." <laughs> and we were like, "What? <laughs> Does your wife know?" She's like, "Yeah, she's great." <laughs> and we were like, "What is Mark into?" <laughs> right. Yeah, I know the bros was making up all kind of stories and stuff, but uh, yeah, it was it was way. Um, way more boring than anybody would think it was it was definitely not like a a playboy article it was like yeah this is this is my roommate and it, it was um yeah it ended up being like a i don't know like a i wouldn't say a relationship but we like we fell into like gender roles you know as far as oh, okay. you know I, I i do the man stuff and and you know one thing that kind of um made me a little nervous was that uh Sometimes she would have like ex extraordinary um, pain and she had to get these shots. And, and uh, you know, she told me like, hey, look, if I'm ever like incapacitated, you're gonna have to give me the shot. So I'm like, oh God, please, please don't let me, have, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, but fortunately, you know, that never happened. And, um, you know, it, it really made me think about um, how important, um, uh, your your body is. I mean, like one time there was a yeah. big ice storm, and um, she was like, "Hey, I need to go check on the neighbors," but she couldn't. Um, she couldn't bend over to put on her boots, so she oh, had to wow. sit on the stairs, and I had to put her boots on and like button up her, her jacket, and I was like basically like a giant kid. <laughs> and you know, wow. like, oh, you're, you're you're pulling them too tight. You know, the laces are too tight. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, how how did I get a big baby? But, uh, <laughs> you know. So before you left, you uh, you started a business too. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, I actually, when the, when the wife was away, uh, my roommate was 
kind of out and about a lot. So like I had time if I, if I wasn't hanging out with the bros, um, I was just like wasting time. And, um, uh, my wife had a book that she, um, she, she, she left and I don't even know if she, she knew where it was, but, um, it was called, um, or titled start and it's by, uh, John Acuff, J O N A C U F F. And, uh, the whole premise of the book is like, whatever you're thinking about doing, just start, you know, you don't have to have any plan. You don't have to, you don't have to have anything figured out. Just, just start and, and, you know, things will take care of themselves. So that's what made me think about starting uh, computer repair. And then I fixed a couple of computers and then I found out that people also needed, um, uh, handyman, uh, uh, help. Service, yeah. So, so that's what started 336 handyman. And, uh, it was a trip because I, um, I ended up doing it, you know, as something to do and to make a little bit of money, but, um, uh, it was kind of a service project too, because the more people that I met, the more I realized that people had perfectly good machines and, you know, maybe it had a virus and people were just throwing computers away, like straight up brand new computer, throwing it in the garbage just because of, wow. you know, 15 minutes worth of, uh, a virus scan. Cause and people didn't realize like, look, I'm not fixing the computer. The software does, I, you know, it's not really much I have to do to, to get your computer up and running again. But, um, right. so I was doing that to get a little bit of beer money. And then the, the handymaning really took off when I helped out a guy with his computers. He, he was the owner of a mathnasium. Have you ever heard of that company? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yep. So basically it's a math tutoring, um, location and, um, he had a virus on his computers and you know, you can't really have a mathnasium without any computers working. So he called me at like 10 o'clock at night. Like, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm shut down tomorrow if I can't get these computers working. And I'm like, no problem. You know, I'll be there. So I got there about 11 and, um, you know, the, the, the good thing about knowing or understanding technology is that you don't have to know everything. You just have to know the, the, the process or the method and then the other stuff you can figure out. So it took me about an hour to figure out what was wrong, maybe another hour to, to get it right. So I ended up leaving there about one in the morning and the guy, the owner was like, man, you know, you saved me. Um, matter of fact, let me, let me introduce you to my mom. She needs some computer help and, oh, uh, wow. she knows a lot of people. So I'm like, all right. So I go over to the mom's house and her name was Betty and she, and I, I guess it was that, uh, that age group. So she introduced me to like yeah. four other Bettys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah the Betty was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a trip because, uh, she started off with, um, not knowing that she needed the PDF reader to open PDFs. Oh and, gosh. And then it turned into, can you change this light bulb? Can you move this plant? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, Hey, how about yeah, once they got you in, they got you for everything. Exactly. So I'm like, how about this? You know, just give me 20 bucks and that will get you three hours of work a, a month. And, uh, you know, if you don't need anything, you don't call me, but if you do, 
you know, I'll come out and get it done. And I ended up getting a few ladies on retainer like that. And most times five minutes worth of work. So, I mean, basically easy money and good networking. And <laughs> well, although one time it, it was funny, uh, Betty's, the first Betty, um, her, her computer was in her, her bedroom and I'm trying to explain to her, you know, how PDF and like, and it took me a while. I was thinking, I'm like, okay, I know how to explain it. I said that uh, people are just like computers and that they have a first name and a last name. And the file you're trying to open has a last name of PDF. So you, you have to have an application that has the same last name. So I'm sitting here explaining it and we're, we're sitting on her bed and I'm like, this is the weirdest thing in the world. I'm like, so you done found your way to another woman's bedroom right. yet again. <laughs> right. I'm like, this is so strange. And then she was printing out prayers for me and stuff. So it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting uh, time, but you know, the good thing is that uh, the son trusted me. So, right, you know, right. the, the, the trust is what, what got me in the door. Right. Well, that's, that's straight. So then you took that handyman service when you moved. I forgot, where did you move after North Carolina? Was that Arizona or someplace before yep, that? went to Arizona. So 336 Handyman became 520 Handyman and, and tech support. And another reason why I, I started the, um, the, the, the hustling business was that I got, I got murdered on taxes. Um, yeah. it was, it, it was just crazy. Like, you know, I'm doing my little turbo tax and, you know, you see the number you owe at first and you're like, well, that's kind of high, but once these deductions hit, it's going to be straight. And right, it, right. it just didn't go down and oh, um, it killed me. I think I, I think I owed like six grand and I, I put two on it to just get it started. And I had another four to work off. And, oh, um, you was Wesley Snipes. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get on the payment plan and everything. And yeah. um, I was like, that ain't never going to happen again. So through the handymaning and the um, computer repair, I, I made a, a decent amount of money. But then also uh, it was uh, it was a, a lot of um, tax write-offs. So like till the, till the day I die, I'm going to have a side hustle just to, um, to help me out with uh, Uncle Sam. I know that's right because he don't care. No, he'll 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 take all your money. So when you went to Phoenix, is that when you started teaching yourself Spanish? Um, no, that actually started in uh, in Greensboro, and, oh, and that, that was because uh, I was I was down in Durango, Mexico, in 2012, and in this time the drug war was really bad in Mexico, especially in mm -hmm. the state of Durango. And when I showed up, there was a, I could kind of sort of read a little bit of Spanish. And in the newspaper on the front page, they had just found a mass grave of like 500 people. And oh. they, they, um, like they all got killed and somebody just rented a back hole and dug a hole and pushed them all in. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, oh man, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to the worst place in the world. You know, I need, I need to, you know, really watch out. And you need to know what they're talking about to make sure you're not next. Exactly. Like, yeah, he fit perfectly in that hole. <laughs> so I need to make sure they were, that I wasn't on the list. And um, so first few nights, I didn't go out at all because I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to get killed. And then started getting, started getting bored in the hotel by myself all night. So 
a young guy and an old guy asked me to go out and I was like, I don't know, let me see. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, ah, the young guy would be more fun. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, man, come get me. So by eight o'clock he rolls up in this nice souped out SUV. And I was like, yo, where, you know, this is really nice for this guy that works in the plant. And then I, you know, <laughs> I'm talking to myself like, well, you know, don't be prejudiced. You know, people in Mexico are paid too. You know, maybe his right. daddy's in the oil or whatever. So I'm like, all right, you know, come on, let's ride. So we um, we just bar hop. We, we we're we're doing karaoke, mariachi bands. We 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 go into a place and dancing. And long story short, it's time to go home. And you know, maybe we all had a a, a few too many. And uh, so Durango is the furthest north that the Spanish, the Spaniards went. And it's a colonial city. So the, the roads are really narrow because they were built for, for horses, not for cars. Horses, yeah. And uh, So you was on the Old Town Road. Yeah, yeah, on the cobblestone. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, the homie just decided to gun it. Like we're, we, all, the, all the intersections were four-way stops. And he just decided to gun it. Like, I'm not stopping anymore. And oh, God. we just ran about three of them. His girlfriend is screaming at him like, stop, stop, stop. And then we hit one and a lady pulls out an old school Volkswagen Beetle and pay out. We T-bone her and then she crashes into a building. Oh, my and God. I'm like, well, you know, after we stop, I'm like, well, let me, you know, do my inventory. Like, all right, you know, kidneys, liver, stomach. I'm like, all right, I think I'm okay. You know, you guys okay? You, you okay? Uh, everybody seems like they're all right, except for the lady we hit. She gets out of the car. She's holding her arm. I'm like, oh, dang, you know, maybe her arm's broken. But right. it's not that bad. So homie gets out the car. He looks at the damage. And then he gets in the back seat with me. And I'm like, oh, man, what are you doing? Why are you in the back seat? <laughs> and he like starts crying. He's like, oh, Mark, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm fucking. I'm like, like, you know, hey, we're in an accident, you know, it's, but it's not that bad. You know, nobody dies from a broken arm. We're going to be good. And he's like, no, Mark, you don't understand. This car might be stolen. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. wait, 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 wait. Like, is your English not working? It, 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 the car can't be, might be stolen. It's stolen or it's not. And he's like, man, it's my girlfriend's brother's car and he doesn't have a job. So how can he afford it? I'm like, oh no. Oh no. So then the police show up and it's not officer friendly because you know the police are fighting with the drug lords. So it's a mm. dude with a ski mask on and a machine gun. And I'm like, and he's oh. the police. Yeah, and he's the popo. And I can't even <laughs> identify him because he got on a ski mask. So I'm in the car now. I'm like, well, you know, this, this is getting kind of bad. And um, I'm like, hey, you got to get out and talk to the police, man. And he's like, oh, I'm going, I'm going to Yale. I'm going to Yale. And I, I, <laughs> I distinctly remember being like, you know, this is not a funny situation, but it's funny yeah. that he said he's going to Yale. Like, dude, <laughs> you're going to jail. <laughs> you're, going to jail. <laughs> you're not going to Yale. You're going to jail. <laughs> right. Big difference. So homie gets out the car, talking to the police, blah, blah, blah. Then his girlfriend gets out and she's talking to the police. And 
Then she opens the door and mind you, I'm in the back on the driver's side. So, and, and the accident is like on the passenger side. So I'm as mm-hmm. far away from the, the scene of the crime as, as I can be. She opens the door and is like, I didn't know she could speak English. She was like, you need to get out of here right now. I'm like, what? And she's like, go. So I just <laughs> opened the door real slowly. And Officer Friendly's looking at me like, uh, don't make me shoot you. And I get out, I close the door, and I just run away in the middle of the <laughs> night by myself. And I'm just running. <laughs> I got no idea where I'm going. I'm just running. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, after a while, I slow down. I'm like, where am I running to? I don't even know if my cell phone was working down right. there. And uh, luckily, there was a cabbie who saw the police lights and he saw me taking off running and he, he caught up with me and I was like, Hotel Americana. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he took me back to the hotel and uh, it was a trip, man. I was so nervous that I called my wife on Skype and told her about it. And then mm-hmm. she was like, you should come home now, you know? And I was like, ah, oh, why did I call her? You know, now she's all worried <laughs> and, and I gotta stay for the rest right. of the week. And But uh, right. the next day, I come you into learn work. Spanish. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get to Spanish for real, for real. I get into work and homie's not there. I'm like, well, they got him, you know. And uh, then in the afternoon, he shows up and I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. And uh, he's like, hey man, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. He's going to the conference room. And he's like, did you tell anybody? And I said, about what? And winked at him. And he was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so he thought he was fired, like getting American into some bullshit like that. So, uh, yeah, so, but that that was that was the fire that that under my ass that made me say, look, I gotta learn Spanish. So I can, I can at least say, don't shoot me. I can get money, you know, anything. Right. But I, I was, I was completely passed out and it, it was, it was a, a terrible experience but you know now i'm more or less fluent in spanish so i guess it was right and that got you uh that got you straight on like a next job and a promotion too right oh yeah oh yeah definitely definitely so um also after after that um that trip i got real serious about studying for spanish and um i actually um convinced my boss or it's actually my boss's boss to pay for me to um, take uh, a Spanish exam to get certified by Instituto Cervantes. So I'm like officially registered from Spain that I'm level B1 in Spanish. And uh, it was crazy because I I used to have to go up to Pennsylvania for, um, for a visiting Mack truck. And I parlayed it into a trip up to Mack and then a flight to Manhattan to take the test. And I hung out in New York for the weekend and all company oh, paid. Sweet. So yeah. yeah, it was, um, the, I think that, 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 that trip and, you know, the accident and everything was really a, uh, a turning point in my life. It really made me think that, um, think outside of the box, like, uh, yeah. the way I framed that, that trip to Manhattan to take the exam was that I know there's two three hundred dollars worth of uh training in the budget for all the engineers and i know that nobody's using it so mm-hmm. give it all to me <laughs> and they were like <laughs> okay <laughs> and i'm like what i just asked for it and he gave it to me so wow. you know now i ask for, now i ask for everything 
Right. They don't open the door for you now. So now you just kick everything down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, you know, kick it down or, 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 or sneak in or, or, uh, or, or just fake it till you make it. I know that's right. So you end up uh, going back to Michigan for a second. Um, yeah. Did anything cool happen there? Or? So, yeah, I ended up going uh, back to Michigan for only about a year. And the reason being is that my uh, trying to be the company man and save money for my, my former employer, they, they were going to give me uh, either a full service move, which would have been about $15,000, mm-hmm. or um, I could move myself and they would give me like 6000 and whatever I didn't spend, I could uh, keep the money. So you kept the money. So that that was the plan. And then they changed it to, well, whatever you spend, we'll reimburse you. And I'm uh, like, oh, that's, I wouldn't have done that if that was the deal, you know, I would have right. just. So, so I'm like, oh, it's too late. So my, my dad drove over from Louisiana to Arizona, um, had one last. You said that like it was just right next door to each other. Yeah, no, not. <laughs> that, that was probably was like, 12. He, he was probably about 12 hours. So right. no, he, he must he must have flown. He, he had to have flown because then we took the U-Haul and, and towed my car. Right. We drove all the way from Arizona to Michigan. And this was right Jeez. before. No, it was after Christmas. So it was right after Christmas and um, uh, between Christmas and New Year's. And mm-hmm. what happened was when we, we were somewhere in the middle, just chilling in the hotel, watching a bowl game. And I was booking my dad's flight back to Louisiana. And it just popped in my head. I'm like, if, if the company doesn't pay for my dad's flight back, I'm going to quit. And wow. long story short, I do my expense report. And they're like, yeah, well, about that uh, $315 for the flight. Um, we are only, are only going to pay for your expenses. And I was like, wait, no, my dad was my mover. He helped me move. Like, I can't drive uh, an 18 foot U-Haul with a car towed behind it without somebody looking out the windows, you know, for me to do my turns and stuff. And, and I'm like, he was my mover. Movers don't live where you move to. They go home. And Mm. they were like, nope. And, you know, I, I kept asking about it and it went all the way up to our regional CFO. And he's like, no, we're not going to pay it. And to my, to my boss's credit in Michigan, she said, look, um, you can just expense out $50 worth of mileage every month until you get your money back. And she's like, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I, I was like, no, no, I, I, I shouldn't have to go in the back door to get my money back. You know, right. and you, you know, I'm, you're basically telling me to lie. So if at mm-hmm. any point anybody asks me about this mileage, I got no way to justify it because I'm just making it up. Oh yeah, that and, was coming back on. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I was, I was just like, look, it, you know, you, you would have, you would have reimbursed the CEO. You know, why can't you give me my three hundred twenty-five dollars back? And, and uh, you know, I, and I had already told myself, like, look, if they don't pay me, I'm out. And um, they didn't pay me, and I was like, I just let it go. And uh, 
uh, a guy I used to work with years ago, about 10 years ago now, um, called me up out of the blue saying they were looking for an account manager. And um, uh, it, it was basically perfect timing. Um, I ended up getting like uh, maybe a 30% raise and got me out of uh, the job where they, they in my eyes, stole $325 from me. So, Dang, was, so you it, quit it, over $325. Yeah, yeah I, I would have quit over a dollar. Like, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the principle behind it. Like, wh why can't, and, and oh, and, and this is an, another thing that made me angry is that I think I spent $3,000 on the trip. So I saved the company $2,000 and it cost me $300, $325 to save them $2,000. So, oh, true. So, you know, yeah, I was, I was done. I was done. And, um, yeah, so it worked out perfectly. Got it. Got a fat raise, um, a, a good opportunity. And, you know, and it, what's weird is that my, my current boss really, um, talked me into making the jump because even though I said I was going to leave, I was still like, man, they just moved me here. Um, I haven't even been I think it was, I was there just barely a year and, um, you know, like people put in a good word for me to get the transfer and, you know, maybe that's not right to, to do the company like that. And my new boss was like, man, they don't care about you. You know, mm -hmm. if they need to get rid of you, 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 somebody will be sitting in your chair before it gets cold. They, they don't care. And, um, you know, it really made me think like, you know, I'd been with the company nine years and you know, while, you know, they always paid as agreed and I always did my job well, um, it's just business. If they did need to get rid of me, they, they would have and not even batted than I. So I was like, look, right. you know, I'm, I'm uh, president and CEO of, of Mark Enterprise and um, I'm taking my talents to another company. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I've, 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 um, I, I've always been kind of interested in economics, and um, when I was um, first married, and in in, um, in the presidential election, I, um, I, I remember watching the debates and watching the Republican debates, and there was one guy who cracked me up. Like I've never been in, watched a debate, and I'm just laughing, and um, I'm like, who is this crazy old guy? And it, it, it turned out to be Ron Paul. And oh, wow. it just so happened that um, um, I had a lot of time off over Christmas break and Ron Paul had his uh, um, uh, Southeast Michigan headquarters, maybe two blocks away from where I lived in Redford. And I spent a lot of time at the campaign headquarters. And uh, man, I met some of the most intelligent and interesting people I've ever met in my life. I met people who came up to me and said, who are your favorite authors? I'm like, man, nobody's ever asked me no shit like that. Like, I don't right. know. And then I'm like, well, who are yours? And they do just rouse off a list of people. And I'm like, holy smokes, you know, damn, I, I need to read more. And um, so I started hanging out with these guys and, and they, they um, really blew my mind. They, we, we started a Ron Paul investment group where we, we met at Panera. And, and our motto was today Panera, tomorrow the world. <laughs> and and th those guys exposed me to all kinds of ideas. And I'm more or less uh, a libertarian 
um, ideologically and, and politically now because of them. They, they, they really opened my eyes to, uh, um, to freedom and um, understanding the market and economics and how in general the, the market solution is always the best one, not the one that is uh, uh, implemented by force. You know, that's the only thing that right. the government has is force. Do what I say or I'll put you in a cage or shoot you. Or both. Yeah, yeah, or shoot you, then put you in the cage. Oh, that's crazy. So then um, you end up back in, well, now you go to Texas. Yep, yep. So there was an opportunity that came up and there's uh, uh, there's there's another book that I, that I started reading in, I believe that was when I was back in Michigan. Excuse me. And that book is uh, titled Nudge by Richard Thaler, uh, T-H-L-A-L-E-R. And basically the premise of that book is that you can make small changes now and they can make huge impacts in the future. So uh, you don't have to change your whole life, just a little nudge in one direction can make a huge difference. And um, mm -hmm. one of the examples they gave in the book um, that, that still sticks with me was uh, the setup of a cafeteria. So I know a lot of people were mad at Michelle Obama for trying to make the students eat uh, healthier meals. And also the, the students just didn't do it. They were just throwing the food away. Um, but the book was talking about just by taking the desserts and putting them around a corner, like a blind corner where you can't see them, yeah. makes the, the consumption of desserts go way down. So you're not telling people what they can't do. All you're doing is giving them a little push, making it a little bit more inconvenient for them to be unhealthy than it is to be healthy. And, um, you know, that that's that's really stuck with me. And one of the things I try to take, you know, into, uh, you know, daily life, like, all right, you know, let me let me read one more page of this book. You know, let me open one more bill and get that done today. And, you know, that little bit extra makes makes a difference. Right. Right. But um, moving down to Texas was because of uh, an opportunity that, that arose from uh, a gentleman who left the company. So when he left the company, my boss approached me and said, how would you like to be the account manager and program manager? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, I, I've never been in program management. It's um, you know, a way for me to round out my, uh, my skill set. So I jumped at the opportunity and I moved to San Antonio, Texas in um, October of last year. Mm -hmm. So since I've been there, I've, um, I've kind of said yes to everything. What is yes called? Yes! 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 So right. any, any opportunity that comes up, I'm like, yep, sign me up. So now I'm a hunter. I have a crossbow and everything. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was out maybe two weeks ago. I've been out four times now and I, I got zero kills. But uh, <laughs> I had two missed shots last time. Right. Um, and uh, so the pigs are still alive and well, but my, uh, my supervisor got a hog and um, he didn't feel like uh, butchering it. So he just gave me the knife and I, he's like, you ever done this before? I'm like, nope. But I watched the YouTube, so so I just got on the ground and uh, started uh, started uh, quartering him. So wow! Um, so you're a butcher, a hunter, um, a Spanish expert. 
<laughs> oh, and then um, so uh, after after I butchered him, um, I just quartered him and then took his back strap, his back straps, and then um, we didn't take all the fur off. So the next day we had to process and uh, even more take all the uh, the fur off and um, break some of the bones on his uh, on his uh, on the hams, and then um, went to the store, got some seasoning, went online. And uh, cooked them, cooked them low and slow. <laughs> All in like two days, you learn how to be a, a butcher <laughs> and a, a pit master. So, so I, I was gonna do it in the pit, but I'm in an apartment, and uh, you, you know, you just can't leave a, a burning pit. I'm not gonna sit outside for eight hours. So, right, uh, right. Googled how to how to cook a hog in the in the oven, and. Uh, I cooked them for an hour at 400 to start and then turned it down to 300 and let it go all night and uh, woke up and it was smelling good in the house, man. I was like, oh, so I put some um, potatoes, I had some mushrooms, celery. Uh, what else did I have? In there? Some, some carrots and um, basically cooked them long enough to where I could just shred them out with two forks. So, wow. and that, I did is uh, a, a shoulder that way. And I uh, took the shoulder out, gave the shoulder bone to the dog and he loved it. And, uh, you know, I had that first bite. I'm like, oh, well, baby, this is it. You know, <laughs> get your phone ready, call 911. And took the first bite and I'm like, this is good. So, uh, yeah, so I got, uh, I still got a ham and uh, a shoulder in the freezer and we'll probably cook those up and um i actually made a deal with the with the one of the bros here is real big in the wild game and he is going to we made a deal that whatever weight i give him in uh in uh wild hog he'll give me half of it back in uh already ready uh sausage which is going to be a, a brisket in uh and hog mix so Man. yeah all I got to do now is get my aim together. <laughs> so so, so real, real quick, wasn't there a quick time where you were trying to be like a vegetarian? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's I, over with now that you're a hog hunter. Pretty much, pretty much. So <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm on um, no meat for, for one day a week. Uh, and and, and the, the reason being is um, I watched... Uh, what was the movie? Was it Food Inc.? It, it was some show on Netflix where it showed the um, the meat processing and, and, and packing industry. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know about that. But now that oh, I've gotten yeah. into hunting, I'm like, shoot, I know what's in this hall, you know, whatever you can find <laughs> in sunshine and water, you know? <laughs> but if you get it, then it's all good. Yeah, exactly. At least, and, and you know what? I, I, I really think, you know, when I got home, uh, after butchering up the the hog, the wife was like, "Hey, um, you know, how do you feel about you know being a part of taking an animal's life?" I'm like, "I feel good about it." I'm like, "I think more people should 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 be involved with their food, whether or not it's if you're a vegetarian, you know, try to have a little backyard garden, or if you're going to eat meat, you know, go out and uh, kill it and, and and butcher it and cook it. You know, it, it's a it's a 
it's an interesting feeling to know that, you know, there, there's a bunch of deer in my in my area, and, and the deer here are more or less domesticated, so you can't you can't shoot them. But you know, let there be a natural disaster or something. I'm gonna I'm gonna be out there with my crossbow, and I'm gonna get me a deer the first day. You know, people are gonna be hungry, and I'm I'm gonna have deer meat. I'm gonna have some venison. Right. So right. It, it definitely um, definitely uh, makes me feel you know, accomplished, like, yeah, you know, I, I can go get me some food now. To recap, so you're a vegetarian turned butcher who knows <laughs> Spanish, um, who will move cross country at any given moment and says yes to everything. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, there's a <laughs> big native population in uh, in Michigan and, and I'm not sure if it's Chippewa who have a saying uh, that says, um, follow the buffalo. And, you know, if you know anything about uh, Native uh, history, the buffalo was everything. You right. know, they used every part of them. You know, if you needed a bag, you make a bag out of the buffalo's bladder. You need a comb, you make it out of his bones. You need a jacket, you make it out of his fur. Right. And uh, that's kind of the way I've been. You know, my job is the buffalo, and if the buffalo leaves, I got to go where the buffalo is. So, I know that's right. You know, I, I plan to follow the buffalo for my, for my whole career. And... And, you know, and, you know, at some point I know uh, it'll be time to settle down. Like maybe I'll catch the, the biggest buffalo ever and be and be straight. But uh, um, I think I will always have one one eye looking out for uh, a better opportunity. Well, that's a good deal, man. Mark, I appreciate uh, you giving me your whole background and uh, all your, your fun run-ins, man. There's nobody like you. You are the everyman. So <laughs> I don't know. Instead of calling you everyman Mark, I might have to call you Buffalo Mark now. <laughs> but, but the Buffalo uh, Buffalo Hog Slayer? <laughs> <laughs> well, first I got to get a hog. Hey, and if you're ever hog. down to San Antonio, I... Uh, I got something in the freezer. I'll give you a taste. <laughs> All right, I'm with that. Mark, I appreciate it. I'm going to get with you. All right. Take it easy, bro. All right. All right. Peace. That was a phenomenal interview with my man, Mark, the uh, the Buffalo Hog Slayer, as uh, we're going to now start calling him. Um, but he said he dropped so many gems um, that there really doesn't need to be too much uplift. But just to... Uh, wrap everything up chase your goals don't be too tied down to one area um, treat your comfort zone like it's the speed limit uh, as you can tell from mark he uh he never really backed down from anything and he kept moving and he always kept a smile on his face and it's put him in some really good positions and it's even given him the confidence to bust open doors or walk through them or walk around them and get what he knows he deserves and the whole time he's steady retooling himself and you know sharpening his skill set uh, with the things that he's picking up on the way so as you go along your adventure um, I don't know if you necessarily have to say yes to every single thing but don't close all the doors and, and think you've got to figure it out because life will give you things to choose your path and make the right decision on and if we can all do uh, what Mark is doing, I think we'll be in a better place and we'll know each other a little more and we'll all have uh, a few more fun stories to talk about than we already do. So again, thank you, Mark. And uh, I appreciate you just blessing the episode, uh, episode 10. We made it into double digits. Uh, I know the first few are kind of, you know, ugh. 
So if you made it past those first three or four, uh, I appreciate you still being here. And hopefully you can uh, let somebody else know to tune in and uh, just join the party and see where we're going with it. Again, thank you for rocking. Please rate, review, subscribe, and uh, just enjoy yourself. Life comes at you fast. I'm just trying to keep up with yesterday. But I'll be back soon to unload some more of the good, bad, and ugly. And I hope you'll join me again. Because while Mark is off looking in Mexico, I am still going to need some help trying to find out where did I park. park.